Well, good morning. Trust everybody's doing well and had a great, excellent week this past week. And uh, as we're going into the book of Acts today, and uh, no surprise, hello, I see you now. Uh, but listen, this is such an awesome time. I hope you enjoyed the fact that the, uh, our band had gotten back together this week and uh, did a recording of uh, God is good because he is good all the time. He's been good for you. He's been good for me. He's been good for all of us. And so we can just shout for joy. All right, go ahead and shout. I can hear you. <laughs> there you are, I heard that one. So anyway, it's all good. So uh, listen, we just so welcome you to be with us here at Hills Church this morning. It's just such an awesome time for us to be together and to have you with us this morning. And listen, I just got a, just a few announcements. I want you to look this week, uh, be watching on uh, Facebook, and uh, I'm going to do a recording on YouTube and Facebook this week, kind of give you an update and we can uh, count on being back together again, uh, what we're anticipating to do. We're still kind of watching through this week to kind of see where everything is heading, and it seems everything is heading in a good direction. And uh, so we're excited about hopefully getting back together as a family of God real soon, and we'll have details and instructions of how, what that's going to look like here at the church. And it's kind of like we're in a new day, it's a new time, and it's a new way. And uh, so we wanted to make sure we explain it clearly for you uh, when you come back. And uh, it'll be an awesome time for us to be together. I can so hardly wait. How about you? And so I'm excited about that. And uh, also, uh, I have a. Uh, I pray that you got uh, your letters. Uh, if you have not, I just I really mailed them out on Thursday, so you may not have gotten them yet concerning 
Hills Church concerning our separation from the main campus to be our own uh, separate church. And so uh, I'm excited for you to get those letters there and just enjoy that. And uh, just appreciate your prayers as the process uh, is ongoing. It takes place. It takes a little bit of time to make that happen. And uh, there's a lot of things we've got to think through, a lot of things we've got to strategize about, a lot of things we've got to just put together as we become our own independent Hills Church. And so I'm excited. I hope that you are as well. Uh, we've had some great responses about that, and so I'm excited for that as well. Also, I have a, I have a specific prayer request this morning. Uh, one of our uh, members, uh, Brother Gary Joy, you know Gary Joy, big tall fellow, sits in the back and, uh, and, uh, who's been with us. And, uh, but he was in a motorcycle accident up in Asheville, North Carolina uh, a few days ago. Uh, he's all right. He's okay, uh, but he's hurting right now. He's in the hospital. He's got about nine cracked ribs. Uh, he's got a broken clavicle, and uh, but he is there healing. And so we just appreciate everybody's prayers uh, for Brother Gary as he tries to mend so he can come back home. They said in about four days he could be released from the hospital. So I praise the Lord. It could have been so much worse. I talked with his son Daniel yesterday on the phone, so we just had prayer together. And so with that, I'd like for us to go to the Lord in prayer this morning and pray for the message this morning. This, this message this morning might really, really challenge us. I know it challenges me, and I know if it's challenging me, it'll challenge you this morning. So I want you to just enjoy and just pray that the Lord speaks to all of our hearts this morning as we just worship him in spirit and truth. Amen. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for all that you do in and through our life. Lord, we're not worthy of any good thing. And Lord, we know that. And Lord, we know that it was your grace and mercy that just come out upon our life that would lift us up, Lord, that would help us to recognize our own sinfulness, God, that we would surrender ourselves wholly to you in every single way. And so, God, I pray this morning, God, that you would just move in this place. We thank you for the music this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the prayers this morning. We thank you for all that you do in and through our life, Lord. We thank you, Lord, just to be with Brother Gary as he's in that hospital right now. He might be even watching. I don't know. But, Lord, I pray that you just touch him, Lord, with the awesome touch of the anointing of the Spirit of God, that you'd be the, you're the great physician, Lord, you know everything about what he needs. I pray, God, that if there's anything hidden that hasn't been exposed yet, you'd expose it to the doctors, Lord, that so he can be uh, 100% healed back with no complications whatsoever. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, just for sparing his life. Lord, your mercies are new every single day, God, in all of our lives. And Lord, I just praise you, Lord, for sparing Brother Gary's life. We know uh, what a tremendous asset he he is. And I just praise you, Lord, for it. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Be with Daniel and the rest of the family, Susan and Judy and all of them, God, and just bless them that their brother's alive. He'll get to come back home. And Lord, we just praise you for that this morning. Lord, we pray for all of our other members too, those that are hurting from death of loved ones, Lord, and how, Lord, you just wrap your loving arms and comfort each one of them to let them know, God, that, hey, listen, you are close as the mention of your name. You are large and in charge, Lord. You know what we need before we think and ask. And Lord, you're there to give us comfort and peace and assurance and Lord and grace and mercy and all those things God you're there because you love us so much Lord and we just want to be gratefully uh, thankful Lord for all that you do for us God I pray this morning you just touch all of our hearts uh, in the word this morning just help us Lord to draw close to you we thank you Lord for our church we pray for the process of 
uh, us becoming our own uh, our own independent church here god that uh, lord the hills church will be a church that will be a beacon light in this community for everybody around us father we just thank you for what you're doing we thank you for what you're doing today and what you're going to do tomorrow and father we praise you for all we we really are excited about the time that we can all come back together in one place to worship you god in spirit and truth and so father we just thank you for this time this morning in jesus precious name and all God's people said what? Amen, amen. That's exactly right. So thank you so much once again for being here. Uh, I want you to open up your book, uh, Bible. If you have your Bibles, make sure you have a notepad or something you can write down with and uh, take some notes. I got about five uh, different points or statements that I want to make today. Uh, this is going to be a kind of a different kind of a message this morning based on uh, Acts 23. And uh, I just want you to be all ears because uh, I've been all ears all week trying to th- hear God, to, to hear things uh, in this uh, message that uh, God would want me to share with you. And I think he has plenty to say, don't you? God's word, he always has plenty to say. And so while you're turning to Acts chapter 23, actually 22, the last couple of verses, we'll hit them first. But go to Acts 23 and we'll get started. But I wanted to read a passage of scripture this morning. It came to my heart this morning. I actually added it to uh, the message this morning, and, and it comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Now, you know, uh, Solomon uh, was a wise dude, uh, uh, especially at first he was a really wise dude, but then I don't know what happened to his wisdom. Is, uh, I think he was too wise for his own good later on in his life. Uh, but Ecclesiastes is part of the wisdom books of the Old Testament, and, uh, and uh, when you start reading it, you kind of kind of see exactly what kind of wisdom is there. Uh, but I want us to read, uh, you know, our world, uh, nothing is new today than from when it was when Solomon was alive. Uh, the only thing new may be technology, maybe what we have and the things that we have and the things that we're able to do, you know, and the fact that we can travel, uh, I can travel uh, 30 miles in 30 minutes is something that they wish they could have done back in Solomon's day, I'm sure. You know, they were uh, shoe leather express or sandal leather express. That's what they did. Uh, but here we see uh, uh, Solomon's wisdom as he writes these words down. Read with me here in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It says, The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, absolute futility, right? Says the teacher. This is Solomon, absolute futility. Everything is futile. Uh, He said, what does a man gain for all his efforts that he labors under the sun? Think about that. Let's soak in a little bit. A generation goes and a generation, what, comes. It says, but the earth remains forever. It says, the sun rises and the sun sets. Uh, Panning, it returns to its place where it rises, gusting to the south, Turning to the north, turning, turning, goes the wind, and the wind returns in its cycles. And we see that. All the streams flow to what? To the sea, yet the sea is never full. The streams are flowing to the place, and they flow there again. All things are wearisome. Man is unable to speak. The eye is not satisfied by seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. And so there's some absolute truth. There will always be contention in this life. And we as Christians must see it for what it is. We must see it for what it is. The devil and the people who serve him will always be in this life till Jesus comes. We can count it. 
Man, the devil is the, is the prince of the power of the air that roams the world, and he creates havoc. He creates havoc in unbelievers and keeps them as unbelievers uh, until they hear the voice of God in their own personal life. But he also creates, creates havoc in those that are believers. I believe it. Sometimes he puts up things and people get in the flesh and they do things that they would regret later on if we just think about it. So the devil is out there. I mean, there's always going to be that wickedness and stuff until Jesus comes. So we know that they're, they're very busy sowing seeds of contention. There are people out there that do that. Focus on Christ. Don't fall into the trap of the enemy. And that's my prayer for you today, uh, for all of us. So my title today for this sermon message was, and you'll see here in a minute why, how to respond in a society and governmentally charged climate. How do we respond uh, when society is in like chaos and confusion and division? How do we respond when our government is in chaos and confusion, right? And we see it and there's contention and contentious things going on all around us in the world. And here we are as Christians, uh, sometimes we get caught up in that. We get caught up in the contentions of the world. And God does not want you and I to ever be caught up in the contentions of the world. He does not want us to do it. See, we are followers of somebody far greater, a far greater leader, a far greater king, a far, a far greater individual. And his name is Jesus Christ. And because we are followers of Jesus, sometimes we forget that. We get caught up in all the fuss and the muss of everything that's going on, the junk and funk of life. You hear me say all the time. It's around us all the time. And so I want you to think about, think about that. We forget that our behavior, listen, church, we forget that our behavior will lead people to Jesus or away from Jesus. And so I want you to draw a circle around yourself this morning. Ask yourself this question. Is my behavior leading people to the cross or is my behavior leading people away from the cross? It's important for us to think about it. We must reflect our love for Jesus and Jesus' love for all people you talk to. You, you are a mirror. You are a mirror that reflects the love of Jesus Christ. And we need to think about it. This could be a very tough message for some of us, for all of us. And I, in, in some respect, I pray that it is a tough message for you. and a tough me- It's a tough message for me as well as I think about it. But it is so important that you and I reflect Jesus Christ. So let's get started this morning remembering from last week that Paul did what? He gave his testimony from the stairs where the barracks were located at. The word Gentile comes up in his testimony, and then all, all nutso breaks out, right? It's all, it's all havoc, rioting, people throwing dust in the air, all kinds of stuff. You remember last week we talked about that? And, uh, and so we see, and, and, so, and so the commander did not know what Paul was saying because he was speaking in Hebrew, so he doesn't know why the people are so upset So what they do is they drag Paul from the people, and they take him inside, and they lock him up in chains and stuff, and then they're fixing to beat it out of him to find out why they're so upset at him and why they want to kill him and all that stuff. But then what does Paul do? Paul decides to expose that he is a what? A Roman citizen. So he plays his Roman card, and he says, here's my Roman card, man. You can't beat me. That would be against the law, right? And so they don't. So So the commander withdraws, and here is where we pick it up. The Jews reject Paul, listen to this, because he is a Christian. 
And Romans try to figure out what's going on. This is where we see in this picture here. And the commander is trying to maneuver in this politically charged climate. He's trying to maneuver it to keep the peace, right? The government, that's what they're supposed to do, keep the peace, protect the people, keep it safe, keep it, keep it in order and not disorderly. But here it is, it's disorder. So I want you to buckle up your seatbelts and, and here we go, right? And we're going to start picking up in Acts 22, verse 29, and we'll read through it. All right, everybody ready? Say amen. All right, amen. That's good. So here we go. Verse 29 says, Therefore, those who were about to examine him withdrew from him at once. The commander, too, was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. See, that's not good for the Romans to beat up a Roman. That's against the law. And so this is, they were, because it would have meant their own life uh, would have been taken from them. So verse 30 says, The next day, since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him, and then he instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. Then he brought Paul down and placed him where? Before them. He placed him before them. So here's the problem right up front. Here's the commander is ordering this meeting. And it's highly controversial because Romans do not call the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees together to meet. It's way too contentious. It's already contentious. And then all this commander does is make it even more contentious by demanding a meeting of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. And so they come together. These are the leaders of Israel, right? So how does Paul respond to what happens? So Paul's standing there looking at the Sanhedrin, looking at the Pharisees, and it says here in verse 1, he says in, first, in chapter 23, Paul looked intently at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience until this day. So what this equates to is that Paul is gazing intently and, I'm, and he's not in a good way. This is, this is, he's got an attitude, right? Paul is, is upset. He's angry because of everything that's happening to him, right? So, folks, this is like Paul is looking at him like wide herp and okay corral. This is what we're seeing here. We're seeing contention upon contention piled up here, and Paul is gazing intently at him. And then Paul addresses them, his brothers, which he shows respect and, and dignity for who was before him, right? But Paul claims his innocence here. This is why he's kind of indignant. He says he, he, he claims innocence here. Paul's conscience is clear, and he has done nothing wrong, right? So look at verse 2. It says, But the high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. So here Paul is slapped on the mouth. How would you respond if you were slapped on the mouth, Right? I mean, yeah, I'm your pastor up here, you know, and there's something in there in Scripture called turn the other cheek, you know, but I promise you, you hit me in the mouth, I think that verse will fly right out of my head, <laughs> you know, and I might go jihad on you, I don't know, but no, I wouldn't do that. But anyway, so, so think about this for a minute. So, so this is wrong. Paul is slapped on the cheek, is wrong. And to slap people's mouth, is that at all helpful, listen, in a politically charged environment? Is that helpful? Absolutely not. This is an intense situation right here where we see paul in look at verse three he says then paul said to him he said god is going to here's what he did here's a retaliatory strike god is going to strike you you whitewashed wall you are sitting there judging me according to the law and in violation of the law are you ordering me to be struck he asked that question now listen right here paul responds you know how paul was responding sometimes like we do on facebook Think about that for a minute. Paul is responding the same way. Paul's not perfect. 
We know that. Neither are we. We know that. But Paul was responding just like we do on Facebook right here. Retaliating, calling him a whitewashed wall. He says, like, take that, you scum. <laughs> That's kind of what he's doing. He's in the, in the flesh a little bit, and he's saying it, right? He's, and it's not that it's untrue. It's true. What he said was true. Although Paul had a point because he was law-breaking. Look at the response of those standing nearby, though. Check this out in verse 4. And those standing nearby said, Do you dare revile God's high priest? Do you not... Are you insulting our high priest? you doing that? Do you dare break God's commands by insulting Ananias, the high priest? See, you've got to understand why they would say this, because he is breaking the law. He is breaking the law of the Old Testament. Listen, Moses in the Old Testament, at the suggestion of his father-in-law Jethro, appointed 70 leaders. They were called Sanhedrin. A leadership council. That's what this was, those 70 leaders. And listen, Moses was, and it was a leader of the nation of Israel, but he was a leader that stood up as the high priest above all these 70 leadership council. Ananias is in that same position in the nation of Israel when you look at this. It's the same. So I want you to look at Paul's response because this is so crucial for us to get. Look at verse 5, what he says. He says, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, replied Paul. For it is written, notice he says, it is written, you must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Let that sink in for a minute. Do not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Paul here, what's he doing? He's apologizing. He did not know it was the high priest. I don't know why he didn't know. Maybe because, you know, maybe his eyesight, he couldn't see him clearly because, you know, we all know that may possibly the thorn in his flesh was the fact he couldn't see clearly. We know through the writings and the teachings, we know through the letters that he wrote, that sometimes he had other people actually pinning the words as he, as they, as they dictate, as he dictated it to him. So, and maybe he couldn't see very clearly. And so that's one possibility that he couldn't do it. Uh, maybe the high priest wasn't decked out in all his priestly garb at this hour of whenever this took place. Maybe he just looked like, a, like, like, like every other white guy standing there, old white guy, right? Just standing without the garb on and everything. And he really didn't know he was the high priest. Nonetheless, Paul, what does he do? He apologizes, and he apologizes rightly so. So here, he, he here is showing respect. This is what Paul is doing. In the face of what he disagreed with, in the face of what he was looking intently at, he did not agree. Everything in him did not want to agree with everything. But listen, but he says, hey, I've got to show respect because after all, it is written because the word of God, you don't speak evil. It's an important point. It's never, and here's a great point to think about. It's never about the person but it's always about the authority of the position of that person. And we forget that. This is where we all mess up, and especially us Christians, right? We mess this up sometimes religiously. <laughs> sometimes we mess it up so big, and it's terrible, right? So here lies my first point, and I want you to write this point down. My first point is this. Number one, respect the position the person holds even if I don't respect the person who holds the position. You get that? Respect the position the person holds, even if I don't respect the person who holds that very position. That is so crucial for us to understand that. We've got to get that in our spirit. Get that in your spirit today, church. Do that. Listen, Ananias is the high priest. 
And he's not a good high priest. I get it. He's not. He's greedy. He's crooked. Listen, he's out for himself. He's out to puff himself up. But his position was a very important position. See here, folks, it's not about the character, but it's the position that he held. It's, his character was lousy, but the position he held was one that was ordained by God. And we need to think about that as we talk, as we walk, as we comment, as we give opinions, as we do things, as we point fingers and forget about my three fingers pointing back at me. We've got to think about that for a minute. Listen, we look at, and I, here's a great example, man, all the contentions in our country today. L- listen, we look at all the liberals, right? They're protesting, they're marching, they're rioting, they're mocking, they're screaming, they're gesturing, right? We see it. We see it all the time. Trump is president, and all they want to do is destroy President Trump. And we hear that every day, amen? Every single day on the news, that's what we hear. But listen, here's the flip side. But when President Obama was president, what were the conservatives doing? What were the conservatives doing? You know what they were doing? They were going to Walmart, and they were buying all the guns and all the ammo. Am I right? I remember. They, that's exactly what they were doing. They were buying, and they were whining and crying and complaining because of Obama's going to change our nation, this and that. And listen, and, and so, you know, and I know I'm right. I know I'm right because I remember the news things. Everybody's, I mean, Walmart, man, all the bullets are gone. All the guns are gone, right? What were we doing? That's exactly what we were doing. So, You see, God did not ask you how you feel about it, and he doesn't here. He doesn't ask you how you feel about it. He doesn't. We are to respect the position of the office of president, and this is huge for us as Christians to get it. Remember, you're going to lead people to who? To Jesus and the things that you say and do and everything, or you're going to lead people away from Jesus. And we should not do that. We are at times to be a Christian. We are Always to be a Christian in a non-Christian world is true. At all times, we must be that Christian that stands out above the whole world and the confusion and the chaos and the garbage and be that Christian in a non-Christian world. So my question is, where does it say in the Bible ever to act like the world? Where does it say in the Bible to act like the world? You're not going to find it. We're not to act like the world. Where? It's nowhere. You'll never find it, right? We are called to be what? To be holy. And this word means different. We're not supposed to be the same like the world. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be sanctified, right? We are to look. We are to act. We are to talk. We are to walk like Christ Jesus. Not like Brother Phil, like I am or whatever. I'm to act like Jesus Christ. I need to do that. And, and, I, we all, and listen, I need to work on myself just as much as everyone all of us need to work on ourselves. We need to let God work on us. That's what we need to do. And surrender and submit and let him change and rearrange our life as he redecorates us from the inside out. And as we live the rest of your life until, you're, until God calls you home, Listen, you're going to have to shuck some things in your life. God's going to reveal things every single day of your life to reveal it, to shuck it and get rid of it. And listen, and follow Jesus Christ. And so we see this here. We are called to be holy, right? We must respect authority. We have to. That's God. Listen, Exodus 22, 28. Read this with me. Exodus 22, 28. It says, listen, you must not blaspheme God or curse a leader among your people. Hmm. Let's think about that for a minute. You must not. And so so if, if you are cursing a leader among your people, man, I guess you're blaspheming God. Hmm. We need to think about that. So what does this mean? We've got to respect authority. 
God placed it there. There is no respect for authority today. You see it? Where do we see it? You don't see it. Listen, we are, listen, we, we are to live from the top down. Who's at the top? God's at the top. And then we're to live from the top down. God, right? Family, church, us, you know, God, me, family, whatever your order is, we need to live from the God is at the top. He's at the, he's at the pinnacle of your life. He is large and in charge. He better be large and in charge. And, and we live from the top down. And we need to think about that this morning. God first, and it works its way down through each of us. Amen? It does. Ananias was not a good guy. But his position demanded respect. You know, used to tell my son, listen, son, don't disrespect me. And don't disrespect your mother, especially your mother. And I got to tell you, one day, I forget what grade he was in, seventh grade, eighth grade, whatever it was. I can't remember, but we were sitting at the dinner table home in Hope Mills, North Carolina. We were sitting there, and his mother said something to him, whatever, and um, he rolled his eyes at his mama. And I had, he was yakking back at her, and he rolled his eyes at his mama. Well, guess what? Um, Dad got a little jihad on him, too, and I grabbed him and put him up against the wall, and I said, listen, you'll never disrespect your mama. Now, listen, that's all I did. I didn't do anything else after that, but to hear him tell the story, uh, Alyssa, you'd bust out laughing because it's like I murdered him or something, right? So, but I didn't. But listen, but, but he was disrespecting his mama. His mama holds authority in a position. Uh, his dad holds authority in position. Grandparents hold authority in position in the family. And we need to respect them no matter what. Whether you like what they got to say or whether you don't like what they got to say, he was acting just like most of us do when it concerns anything, when leaders in our country and our nation and in the world sometimes. We act like little children because we just let her fly right off the top of our head. You as a Christian are all commanded by God to do what? To pray for your president. It doesn't matter who that president is. It does not matter. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Listen to this. Listen, first of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for who? For everyone. Who's everyone? Here it goes, right off the bat. For kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a what? A tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Listen, when you're praying for your leaders, when you're praying for your parents, when you're praying for your grandparents, listen, that means your attitude is underneath Jesus, and you recognize who's large and in charge, and you recognize the authority that God has placed over you. And so you get underneath that, and you allow God to, to be God in and through your life, whether you like it. He will, listen, when you submit to him, he'll suppress those opinions. He'll suppress your conversation. He'll suppress the way you feel. You've got to put yourself in, in, in perspective to Jesus and that you ain't worth anything that you have because Jesus died for you. Listen, we're no better than anyone else. Nothing has changed under the sun from Solomon to now, from the Garden of Eden to the present day. Nothing has changed. We're all sinners. We deserve hell. That's what we deserve. But Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly because the thief tries to steal and kill it away from you, and that's what we allow him to do. And you should never allow him to do that. Never allow him to pray for your president. Like him or not, you need to pray. He says, dignity. It said, and verse 3 said, this is good. Uh, Paul said, this is good. And it pleases who? It pleases God our Savior. When we do the right thing, it always pleases God. It always pleases Jesus. Who wants everyone, listen to this, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Man, you want to see people saved? Listen, you ain't going to save them by giving your crusty opinion out there. You're going to save them by promoting Jesus. And that's what we all as a church need to do, promote Jesus. All authority, all authority in this scripture says comes from where? It doesn't come from the voters. Truly, it doesn't. It comes from God. That's where the authority comes from. God allows people to be kings and presidents and such. God allows it for his perfect will to be accomplished in this world. Come on, folks, let's read our Bibles. Let's see. Listen, we're in a wicked, fallen world. We're gonna, it's going to be contentious. It's going to be a problematic. Don't be in or of the world. Listen, we live in the world, but don't be of the world. The, God, the Bible teaches us that. Be, be Christ-like. Follow Jesus. Listen to his word. Let him change your life. Let him use you. Let him speak words of graciousness and, and mercy and things like that. Build people up. Yeah, there are times when people need to be told, hey, that's, that's not right. I get that. I'm not saying we all be all lovey-dovey all the time. I mean, Jesus got angry when they were selling junk in the temple area, and he flipped over things, and he had a righteous indignation, a righteous anger. But he still loved those people that he flipped the tables over. He still died for them. And it's something that we sometimes forget. Look at Romans 13, Romans 13, verses 6. It says this, and for this reason, he says, you pay taxes. Since the authorities are God's public servants. Think about this. Continually attending to these tasks. It says, pay your obligations to everyone. That's everyone. That's government or not government alike. You pay your obligations to everyone. You don't hold out on people. You don't take advantage. Listen, when you don't pay your obligations, you're a crook. You're a thief. You're stealing. You've got to pay your obligations, whether it's taxes or to somebody else. We need to do that. Those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls. But this is what I like. He says, respect to those you owe respect and honor to those that you owe honor. We must give respect. It's a command. Listen, it's not an option here. This is not an optional thing. We make it an optional thing. We command. Listen, a police officer, listen, commands respect. Whether you like that police officer or not, whether you think he's doing the right thing or not, the authority is the position. We need to respect our police officers. And I know that's not a popular thing in the world today. That's because the world is thinking got stinking thinking going on and listen our authority our police officers listen they put up with way too much than they should be putting up with and it's because parents are not raising their kids in the admonition of the lord in the word of god and we see it and i know you see it and we see it all over the world we see it in kids we see it because the parents are not instructing the kids in the word of god that's where our problem is today and that's where our problem will always be and it's going to be to our demise until we get back into the word of god so families if you're out there and you're listening this morning and i pray that you are listen get your kids in the word of god don't sit there and be passive and be passive and just give them church whenever you go to church give them church on monday give them church on tuesday give them church on wednesday thursday friday and when i say give them church give them the word of god because that's going to save their soul that's going to give them a guideline of what to follow and the standard to live by and they're going to learn to respect all people no matter whether they're good or bad and they're going to do the right thing so that's free man that's the lord right that's amazing so anyway we need to think about it as christians we have to be respectful we got to be respectful of both of our government parties they fail at this they're not respectful to one another and they're giving a wrong example i'm sorry but they are giving an incorrect example some of you need listen to be in Facebook timeout, right? 
You need to be in Facebook timeout because you're posting things you don't need to be posting. It's not building. It's not elevating. It's not honoring God. I understand we have opinions. I understand we want to protect our country. I understand that. But our country needs Jesus more than it needs what we think is the right and wrong thing to do or who to vote for. We need Jesus. We need to be an example of Jesus Christ. We need to do that. We need time out. Seriously. I see posts sometimes. Your pastor sees posts, and some of you need to be in time out. I'm sorry, but you do. And so, so stop posting. Stop disagreeing. Stop losing your mind over this stuff that in the end ain't going to make a hill of beans a difference. I mean, think about that for a minute. We're in Christ. We are sealed to the day of redemption. We are sealed to the day that Jesus calls us to be with him. Listen, you should be rejoicing in that fact, and you should be rejoicing out loud so that everybody that doesn't know how to rejoice hears the message. That's the only way the world's going to be changed or be different. Our nation's not going to be changed by who we vote in or who we don't vote in. It's going to be changed by the power of the gospel through the word of God, through your mouth and my mouth, elevating Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you, man. Be, be Christ-centered. Be Christ-centered in everything you do. Listen, you will either lead people to Christ by what you say or lead people away from Christ. We must really think about how you are going to say something before you say it. I've caught myself. I've had to sit back and really, there's times when I was like, oh, yeah, well, take this, buddy. And I'm like texting away, writing out my paragraph that's five pages long, you know, and I go back and I look at it and I'm like, I don't need to say that. I don't need to say that. I don't need to say that. And then I end up deleting the whole stinking thing. I delete, I delete it all. I don't even say nothing because it's better not to say nothing than to say something that's going to cause retaliation, you know. And I'm not saying you don't ever defend yourself. And sometimes you don't have to defend yourself. Sometimes uh, people just need it. But you can defend yourself in a way that promotes the gospel and Jesus Christ because if your demeanor, if, you're, if your presence, if your personal witness is at peace with God, Listen, you're not going to say nothing harsh that's going to cause anybody to retaliate. You're going to say it in a, such a loving way that it's going to heap hot coals on their head and they're going to be ashamed of what they said. It's true. It happens. And if they don't, then, and then a lot of times they won't respond when you do that. Because you love them. You love them in spite of their ignorance. And you love them in spite of their stupidity. And you love people no matter what. We need to do that. We need to do that. So let's read on. I beat that, that up pretty good, didn't I? I beat it up pretty good. That's good, though. Verse 6, he says, When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees, see, let's see what Paul does, and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin. He said, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. So he's kind of lifting his position up. He says, I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. And he was absolutely right. He is being judged because he was a follower of Jesus. And here's the thing is, if you don't know the Pharisees and Sanhedrin, listen to this. Some were Pharisees and some were Sanhedrin. Kind of like Republicans and uh, Democrats, right? <laughs> so I thought I'd throw that in there. And look what happens. Look at verse 7. He says, when he said this, a dispute broke out between <laughs> the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the assembly was divided. So Paul achieved dividing the assembly because, hey, listen, all of them wanted to kill him, Right? So when he brought this resurrection thing up, now he just divided the assembly from the Sadducees and the Pharisees. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection. This is why. And no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees affirm them all. Affirm them all. Apostle Paul makes a statement that takes these two parties from being, listen, united to killing him to what? To dividing him. Why? Because the Pharisees were pro-resurrection. 
and the Sanhedrin were anti-resurrection. They were. Folks, that is what's happening in our homes all over the country today, in families all over the country today, in churches all over the country today. Listen, we are either pro-Trump or we're pro-Biden, right? Pro-Democrat, pro-Republican, and the problem is we're so focused on that, we're not pro-Jesus. And we need to be pro-Jesus. That's the only thing. You know, we wouldn't have a problem with the race if we realized we're part of the human race. And forget about black, white, red, yet. We're all humans. We're made in the image of God. We're part of the human race. That is the only race I see is the human race. We're all people made in God's holy image. And we need to treat each other and respect each other for that. And quit this nonsense of traditional thinking that people's done for thousands of years wrong. We need to listen. We loved, listen, we need to love everybody. I don't care what creed, nationality. I don't know where you're at. You've got to love all people for all time until the end of time. That's what God wants us to do. And give them the truth so that the Holy Spirit can work on their hearts and transform them to be like Jesus. Folks, listen, this is a hard message. It's tough. It's, but it's, there's a lot of truth in this message this morning. Lots of truth here. Listen, folks, this is what happens. It just happens. That is the shame of the church family. We cannot forget who we are and we forget who we are sometimes. We're ambassadors of Jesus. Come on, folks, think about this a minute. Your spiritual animal, listen, is not a donkey, and it's not an elephant. What is it? It's a dove. It's a little peaceful dove. That's our spiritual animal. We're to be peacemakers in the world, not war makers. And we, sometimes we make war, and we don't need to make war. We need to make peace. We are peacemakers in the world. These guys were divided. Look what happened. Look at verse 9. The shouting grew loud, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party got up and argued vehemently. We find nothing evil in this man. Now they're protecting Paul. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? You you cannot keep arguing forcefully. You can argue all you want to, but the more, more contentious it is, listen, it always escalates. It gets greater and greater and greater. And after speaking so much forcefully, what comes next? What comes next from speaking forcefully? Come on, you've seen it. We start doing physical, put up your dukes, man. Sometimes you don't even say that. You just smack them in the mouth, like, like Ananias did for Paul, right? So we think about that. Our nation has forgotten our history, being in contention. We don't need to be in contention as a people. Young people, man, you don't even think a thing about it anymore. It's just not there. Listen, forgotten is the Civil War. Listen, folks, look at the stats there, were, there was nothing civil about the Civil War, nothing at all. One of the bloodiest battles on the earth, 618,222 Americans died in the Civil War. That's sad. In the Civil War, 360,000 of them were from the north, and 258,000 of them, so it was like split down the middle just about, half and half, all lost their life. For what? It wasn't a Civil War. There was nothing civil about it. It's a shame. Look at verse 10. When the dispute became violent, here's what happened. The commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down and rescue him from them and bring him into the barracks. So they did. So the dispute became more violent. Uh, Be thankful we live in a country with political war. Political war. Amen? The fear is when it becomes physical, like the Civil War. So sad example for our country. That's a sad example for our history. So many innocent young people, 16, 17, 18 years old, lost their lives in the Civil War. 
divided because we were a nation divided. And we know the Bible teaches us that if you're divided, <laughs> you're going to fall. Think about it. You can't be, we can't, we got to be united. That's why we're the United States, right? And we should, we should think about that for a minute. Young people today don't know what war cost our country. Think about Yugoslavia, which is no more. It's now Bosnia, right? We must help people understand how our country came to where it is. We as God's people and I as a pastor must never incite people against one another. Never. That's why you won't hear me up here talking about who I favor politically or not. The only one I favor is the Lord living Jesus Christ. That's who I favor. And his Holy Spirit leads me and guides me based on the word of God in all truth to make decisions what's best I feel for our country. That's our position. I'm neither a Democrat or Republican. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jesus party. <laughs> that's the only I can think of to put it, you know. I might be independent, but I'm not independent. I Listen, I'm led by Jesus, so I'm not truly independent. Jesus leads my thought process. Jesus leads my action. Jesus leads my voting. Jesus leads me. And that's the way, that's what all our positions should ever be, right? Should be. It's not our purpose. And listen, pastors stand in the pulpits day after day, Sunday after Sunday, and they're taking sides. You've heard them, I've heard them. You know, that should never be. That's not what this pulpit is for. That's not what this position is for, to take sides. There's only one side that we need to take, and that's Jesus' side. Number two, let's get to point number two, right? Wow. Our religious cause will be defeated when we are politically divided. Here's the truth. Our religious cause will be defeated, listen, when we are politically divided. Hey, good people disagree all the time when seeing the same facts. Case in point, you got Sanhedrin and Pharisee. They read the same Torah. They read the same scrolls. They read the same Bible, the same scripture, but yet they come up with different opinions and different answers out of them. The resurrection is in the scriptures, is it not? It's in the Old Testament as well as the New. Amen? It's in the Old Testament. And that leads us to number three. We must make room for differences of opinion. So if you didn't get number two, number two, our religious cause will be defeated when we are politically divided. I would say we are politically divided in our nation. But we as religious people cannot be politically divided. We can't participate in that. That's not our purpose. Number three, we must make room for differences of opinion. Must make, I'm not saying compromise what the Word of God says. Never, 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 never compromise the Word of God. But we must make room for differences of opinion. Make room for it. Not everyone will always agree with me, even though I'm always right. <laughs> I knew I'd get a laugh out of you, right? No, no, no. However, I must live my own convictions based on what? Based on principles. Principles of what? Here's my standard, the living word of God. I must live my life based on the principles of what God teaches me in his word. Always, always, always do that. And not on my personal preference. And see, and that's where we run the problem. We, get, we base decisions based on my own personal ideologies, my own personal preference. Hopefully my ideology is what the Bible says. So then really I base my preference based on God's word. This is what I'm supposed to do. Not on preference, it's principle. Principled living. Principles never change. Amen? God's word never changes. Therefore, the principles of God's word never changes. And if God's principle word never changes, then listen, we cannot go wrong with God's word ever. It saves your soul. It keeps you. It sustains you. It keeps you. It gets you to heaven. It gets you to be with Jesus. And it gets you to be pretty wise in the sight of a lost world. 
You know when to clam up. You know when to open up. And God will fill your mouth with what you need to say if you're in his word. If you're not in his word, it doesn't happen. It just won't. You've got to be in love with our living Savior. Listen, it's so important. Principles never change. Prayer is all this. We will stand before, listen to this, the judgment seat of Christ one day, and you will give an answer or an account for every idle word, not just word, but everything you thought and you committed in your mind. You're going to give an account of all that before the Lord. And the Bible says that when you get before Jesus, you know what's going to happen is you're not even going to give it a verbal account because it says your mouth is going to be shut. In Romans 3, verse 19, it says, Now we know that whatever the law says speaks to those who are subject to the law. And here's why. So that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. You're going to stand in front of the presence of the Lord and you're going to go, <laughs> there'll be a lot of things run through your mind, if you, especially you, any unconfessed sin as a Christian. It's going to run through your mind. Listen, we know some of you can't help but respond to an argument. Responding to something stupid and foolish. You should never do that. And when you do respond, what does that make you? Think about that for a minute. Right? Let other people be stupid, not you. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't forget that I say stupid because you know better. That's why I say that. Being ignorant means you don't know better. It means... You got an excuse, you're ignorant, you don't even know. But listen, all of our folks, all even me, I know better. And I know I need to hold my tongue. James 3.10 says, with the tongue comes what? Blessing, cursing. So which is it, folks? Blessing or cursing? So, let's see what happens, right? Here's the plot against Paul on verse 11. I like this. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Have courage. For as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So God, Jesus, has given Paul some sweet encouragement right now in the midst of all this intensity in his life. As he's feeling, he feels like he's he's the whipping post. He's the whipping child. He's the one that's being persecuted. He's the one, da-da-da-da. After a while, you feel like that. I understand that. But here's the thing. Jesus is there if you're looking out for him to let you know, hey, peace be still. Calm the storm. Jesus sees fit to encourage our brother Paul to hold on to him. God sees and God knows. It's his plan, and he is never, ever surprised. Walking in obedience, you must never be surprised. Amen? Whether it's good or bad, whether it feels good or hurts, don't be surprised. Verse 12, when it was day, it says the Jews formed a conspiracy, bound themselves under the curse, neither to eat nor to drink until they had killed Paul. Look at it. They're so in the flesh. They want to kill Paul. It's time to kill Paul. That's what they want to do. It gets worse for Paul. Listen, formed an oath, which means that an oath is something said out loud that's not right, that's wrong. You see, we have ten commandments with five of them telling us how to treat others, right? And they're ignoring their own ten commandments. They're ignoring the five of the ten commandments that teach you how to treat your fellow man horizontally, right? That's what they're doing. We forget And stupid loves company. You hear me? It does. Verse 13, there were more than 40 who had formed this plot. The oath disregards totally the Ten Commandments. For real, it does. Look at verse 14. It says, these men went to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a solemn curse. Man, they're like prideful of it. That we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. 
So now you, along with the Sanhedrin, now he's trying to bring all these simple sinful sympathizers under the blanket with him, right? Along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he brings him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. However, before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. So where's the Ten Commandments? Such hypocrisy. Which leads to the next principle, number four. Live by God's word and not out of your emotions. Man, we've got to live by God's word, not your emotions. The Bible, the book, to live by for life today and forever. It's the Bible. It's live by this, principle living, not preference. Preference is usually driven by your emotions. So there you go. Principle living. My question for you is, does anyone's life improve when you embrace your emotions? Think about it. Does your life improve when you embrace your emotions? Kind of reminds me of, uh, what's the name? Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. You ever remember years ago, Lou Ferrigno? What was he? He was the big hulkster, right? Bruce Banner. Mild manner, Bruce Banner. Because of some gamma radiation, right? Takes his gamma radiation and he turns into the Incredible Hulk, right? That's what emotion is. He would get angry and he would change. We all do that. We're all a bunch of hulks ourselves in our mind. <laughs> ever think about that? If we allow our emotions to get the best of us, and then we become the Incredible Hulk, ready to pounce and beat everybody to death, right? With our tongue lashing, right? Or whatever. Our emotions can make us self-righteous. That we say and do most unrighteous things. Should never be. Listen, Trump, people, if you haven't noticed, hate him passionately, amen? What if we put a camera on your life 24-7? What if we put a recorder on everything that is, comes out of your mouth? What if we put a camera to watch everything that you do or I do? What if, I mean, that's what's happening to him. They follow him around all the time. They got cameras. They're looking. They're itching. They're trying to find every single thing that's wrong. And they do that not just with him, but every president they do that. Every president they do that. Every public figure. You got to guard your heart and your mind. I, I, you know, and it's hard. We need to pray for them. We are angry because we are self-righteous. And Jesus said, he that is without sin, do what? Cast the first stone. That's what Jesus said. We should hold them and our leaders accountable. Amen. I amen that. But we end up losing our minds. Remember, your kids are watching you. They're watching what you do. Listen, believers are watching, and so are unbelievers, non-Christians. We must all chill out. We must chill out. Hence the pandemic, right? Extra time at home to think, to read, to study, to meditate, to pray, to read God's Word. That's why God slowed us down, that we would spend time with Him and chill out and quit getting caught up in all this mess. Paul had a bad day. You lose your minds because you are more politically focused. Don't lose your mind. More than being heaven-focused, we've got to be heavenly-focused. Jesus comforts Paul in the midst of his bad day. In verse 11, I just read just a minute ago. Have courage, Paul, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. It's not that he was going to Rome to have a resort time. He was going home to be persecuted even further, even to the end of his life where his head is cut off. But here's the thing is, Paul was probably full of joy by the comfort of Jesus because he knew who he was. He knew who he belonged to. He belonged to Jesus in the midst of severe persecution, in the midst of having his head chopped off in Rome. 
he, 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 listen, the joy that beset him was much greater than living in this personal life. That's why he said to die is what? It's gain for me. He was ready to go. That's why, he did, that's why people couldn't stop him from going to Jerusalem because Paul was ready. If it meant death, he was like, yeah, bring it on. I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus, yeah, my Savior. And I don't have to worry about all this mess down here. That's Paul. That should be us. We should be the same way. Almighty God is, has a plan. It includes our president and every other president. And it includes you and me too. 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He doesn't ask permission to carry out his plan. He doesn't. He invites us to be what? Saved through his master plan. Repent. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. Listen, and you too can be saved. We must deal with this as Christians. We must. Which leads to number five. Trust God has a plan. He's already, it's already done. This plan is, his plan is, his plan in his mind is complete from beginning to end. And we're living his plan. Make sure we live it righteously and not unrighteously. Listen, if we did pray for former presidents and we don't pray for this president, then we are not bowing to King Jesus. If we prefer one over another and we don't pray for all of them, then we're not bowing to King Jesus and doing what he wants us to do. Just let that sink in a little bit. He calls us to pray. He calls us to respect. He calls us to obey laws. He says, be a good, godly, and be a great citizen. You're a citizen of two places. You're a citizen here first, and you're a citizen of heaven. Remember, our very own lives hang in the balance of our president's actions and decisions. They do. Campaigning is much different than administrating. And don't you think he's learned some things about that? We hope. How many of you want him to make wise decisions? Amen, I do. Then pray. Start praying. God has a definitive plan, and my friend, you and I are a major part of it. However, I am not on Jesus' consulting team. None of us are on Jesus' consulting team. He has his own team. It's him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that's the best consulting team you'd ever be in front of. I would listen to them. Their consultation is absolutely perfect. Can we listen to him? Can we? Everyone on the planet, listen. When you talk, listen, everyone, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, listen, watches how we, as Christians, God's church, God's people, they watch how we respond to what we see in the world. They're watching you. You may not think so. You, may, you can write some things in your isolationism, but when you send it out there, it's global. And whatever you say, listen, people pick it up. Respond, folks, to principle living over preference living daily. Then you, you too can stay calm in this political unrest that we're experiencing today. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you, Jesus, for all that you do in and through our life. And Lord, me, this big old boy up here is so easy for me. I remember it's not very long ago, some years ago, I could get caught up in this political arena and I can lash out at 
people who I thought were my friends that seemed like they were to totally opposite of what I believe and they were and Lord it would be so easy for me as a Christian to lash out at them and just and just land blast them with what's correct or, or throw Bible verses out there oh that's wrong this is what the word of God said da -da -da -da, this and that although it might have been true it might have not been uh, appropriate at that time because there was no way it was going to harden a heart rather than soften a heart it was going to cause a heart to be more callous than make it pliable to receive the seed of God's word Lord help us as Christians start with me Jesus forgive me Jesus when I become hard-hearted or when I when I, I look at things of this earth and 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 I end up being controlled by the things of this earth Lord to uh, uh, to knee-jerk in a fleshly way rather than a scriptural way, a godly way, a righteous way. Lord, begin with me. Forgive me, Jesus. Lord, it's, Lord, it's, it's sometimes hard. We've got to swallow our pride. We've got to swallow our, our own self, and we've got to say, Lord, forgive me. I have not lived my life in honoring you the way I should every single day. And, Lord, I try. Lord, keep me from saying things that would hurt people. Keep me from saying things that would harden people. Keep me from saying things that would send people straight to hell. Help me to say things that build people up, that lift. Jesus, you said, if I be lifted up, he said, I will draw all men to me. That's our mission. Our mission isn't to criticize. Our mission is to lift Jesus up. And the higher we lift Jesus up, the closer that people will come to him. Lord, help me. Help all of us to do that. Lord, somebody out there may not know you as Savior. And Lord, it's my prayer that through this message that maybe they heard something. Maybe, maybe Jesus, you're tugging on their heart. And Lord, I pray that they would surrender their heart to you, Jesus, because you're the only, you're the way, the truth, and the life. They can only be saved uh, through submitting their life, Lord, to you. You died on the cross. You took all of our sin, and you shed your blood to wash every sin stain away from our lives. And Lord, we just got to believe that you did that for us and ask you to come into our heart and to receive you as our Savior today. And by doing that, Lord, by putting the faith in you and repenting, turning away from our sin, turning towards a holy God, Lord, that we could chase you down, Lord, with all of our heart, all of our passion, all of our life, and know, God, that we're saved. And as you spoke to Paul in the times of the hardest times, Lord, that you will speak to us, you will speak to me, you will speak to all of us in the face of the storms of life, God, and you will teach us how to walk on top of the storm and not be swallowed up by the storm and be drowned in it. Lord, I thank you for my folks that are out here, Lord, praying right now. I pray, Lord, that you save somebody this morning. I pray that you convict a heart that they would repent this morning and they would turn their life around and make much of you, Jesus, and less of themselves. Because it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about a pastor. It's not about church members. It's about you, Jesus, and my life is sold out to you. Lord, is it truly sold out? i got to make sure it's sold out. Am I truly sold? Are my brothers and sisters truly sold out to you, Jesus? If we are, Lord, our life is going to be a light that others will see despite what we go through. And God, I give you praise for that soul maybe you saved this morning. I give you praise for that Christian brother and sister who may have had to repent and shuck some of the garbage from their life that they didn't even maybe even realize that it was even happening until just now. And God, that they would give it to you. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for our believers. I thank you for our fellowship. Bless us, Father. I just give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Now listen, if God touched your heart, man, let, hey, let us know. Let us know on Facebook. Hey, don't, don't, don't hide it under the bushel. Listen, let people see. I remember my brother Kenny Kiker, we introduced Wednesday night on a video, you know. Man, he ain't hiding it no more, man. He's out there. He's out there in the public light, and he wants people to see that he loves Jesus. We should all do the same thing. Amen? I love y'all so much. Listen, heed the word. Share this message. I think it's something that needs to be heard around the world. Amen? I know I needed to hear it. I'm thankful for you to be with us. Look out this week for our... Um, uh, I'm going to do a little video, give you an update for when we're going to open up, okay? God bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of Sunday. Enjoy God and his creation, his beautiful day. Amen. Love you all. Bye-bye.